I'm very excited for this episode. Yeah. I have my own reasons. I don't know if you're excited or maybe you're like, hey, let's just get this done. (laughs) (laughs) I'm excited for every episode. I'm just happy to be here. (laughs) Well, full disclosure, I'm excited to do this episode because um, this episode recording has been like constantly pushed out Mm -hmm. because everything else keeps happening ahead of it. (laughs) Um, So today it's The Matrix Revolutions, Mm -hmm. 2003. It's a third Matrix film in the series. We've been stuck doing Matrix notes and stuff for like two months (laughs) since December. We started before the new one came out at the end of December, yeah. And it's now (laughs) (laughs) mid-January. I mean, I love the Matrix. Mm -hmm. It's just, I'm glad I broke up the release schedule to put, well, by the time you hear this, Jumanji came out right after the first Matrix. So it's like, it's a nice break because I I really thought about it because every time we talk about doing a series... You know, any movie that's got a multiple, like if we, if we did Lord of the Rings, yeah, that's three days of recording, three days of editing, and then three days of like, I'm like just submerged in Lord of the Rings to the point where I'm burnt out. I'm like, oh, well, and, and not just that, but listening from or not listening, but like um, seeing that from the listener's perspective, then mm. we've got a whole month of just one topic. It's just and, the people that like hate Lord of the Rings. Like, I don't want to hear this. I'm tuning out until February. Bye. <laughs> so if you see our, our feed, our episode feed kind of break things up and you hear Carter drop his pen a lot, like that's, <laughs> that's the reason why is to, to keep everyone, uh, uh, what's it, engaged in a way where they don't feel burnt out. Yeah. Yeah. So including us sometimes, <laughs> <laughs> I'm really glad we're doing this because it closes one of my favorite series. Mm-hmm. Um, and obviously by this time, you'll already know how I feel about the new, new matrix <laughs> and I'm not very fond of it. So this is, I'll tell you right now, this is still uh, light years ahead. <laughs> oh yeah. The, it's uh, yeah. I, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Let's just, shall we get into it for everybody? Let's get into it. Um, my my goal today is to use all of the buttons. <laughs> Make sure we have all of the categories because I've missed it the last couple of times. I think only one episode, and that's Reloaded. Yeah, Matrix Reloaded. Mm-hmm. But that was that was a heavy. That turned out to be. We keep thinking like, oh, it's a quick new problem. Uh huh. No big deal. We've got this. Yeah, three hours later, <laughs> <laughs> like a SpongeBob. Uh huh. <laughs> Um, before we get into the meat of it, obviously we have to do the, uh, you know, should, should they see it? The, the show thing. Oh yeah. Should you see it? Um, I'm going to say yes. It's Mm -hmm. still a visual masterpiece today. Feels a little tiny bit dated. Mm -hmm. I, the only reason why I I say I'm hesitant is because it's really weird to just, if you've never seen the matrix, just boot up and watch the third one on its own. Right. It makes no sense, but at the same time, it's visually really cool and fun. Yeah. It feels like. I, I feel the same way. It's not really a movie that you would want to just sit down by itself and watch on its own, mm-hmm. but part of the series, definitely a must watch. It, it so, closes up that trilogy. So 20 years in the past, you know, you're having a 20th anniversary marathon or whatever, kind of like Harry Potter just did. Mm. <laughs> um, if you're going back and watching the original matrix, follow it up with the other two, you know? Yeah. So I feel that way for a lot of series too. Like I recently, and by recently, I think it was actually a couple months ago, <laughs> I, I watched through the old Alien movies. Oh. And you can't just watch any of them by themselves either. You right. get, if you start with one, you got to go through the whole series. And I watched all of them, and I remember them being really good and all that. So it, it when you've got a series like this, I think it is important to set aside time if you appreciate them and if you like them. Yeah. 
to watch the whole thing. So, so yes, standalone, not really as great by itself, but as part of a series, definitely worth a watch. I, I will share this funny disclosure to you that now that I, you mentioned all that, even as a, like imagining myself as a person who's never seen the matrix and does not love it and doesn't care about it. Mm-hmm. The third one is um, visually and, and entertaining enough that if I just randomly turned on HBO and saw it, I would feel motivated. Oh, I got to see the first and the second one now. Uh-huh. And I say this only as a viewer who uh, we got to the States in 95 and like, I think 1996, uh, we obviously didn't have any money. So my mom went to the public library again, big, big public library fan here. Yep. Support your local libraries. Yeah. Like it's <laughs> get involved, volunteer, please. Mm-hmm. Uh, children like me <laughs> need this. <laughs> And poor, I said, poor immigrant children, Yeah, poor immigrant <laughs> little Dylan's out there yep. need you to volunteer at the public library. <laughs> It'll make a difference. It did. Mm-hmm. My mother brought home a movie called Star Wars Empire Strikes Back. My first experience of Star Wars was not <laughs> the first film. Oh, no. I just <laughs> I'm I was born in 89. So what? I'm like six, I uh-huh. think six or seven. This is the first film I see. And here's the thing with Asian immigrant parents. They don't understand that there's movie ratings. You know what I mean? Not that Star Wars was hyper violent. No. But when you're a kid and you just start out with Empire Strikes Back, it it fucks you up. Like, yeah. It's confusing. People lose limbs. People, yeah. People die. And then there's like a father-son dynamic. And I'm way too young to understand that I have daddy issues. Like, <laughs> and it's, you know, he sees his dad and he's dying. Mm-hmm. I mean, it didn't detract me at all. I was like, this is so interesting. I did not see Star Wars A New Hope until like four years later. Oh, no. I just knew I liked Empire Strikes Back, but had no clue about the rest. Didn't even know it was a movie series. Watches episode five. I'm a Star Wars fan now. Yep, big deal. <laughs> oh, that's awesome. Yeah, so fun segue. That's literally, so I think The Matrix Revolutions 3, mm-hmm. if you just stumbled upon it, not knowing anything, you still can't have a good time. Yeah, I would believe that. Now, if you just stumbled into the brand new one, Matrix Resurrections, you may want to end your life after that. And and I'm saying um, don't uh, call 1-800. There's a, a phone number here. I'm sure <laughs> we'll have to put in later, you know, like suicide prevention hotline. But whatever you do, do not start with Resurrections. And after you see the first three Matrix movies, make sure you're in a good mood. <laughs> don't let number four be your first experience. <laughs> Please. That, that's, a, that's a pro tip. From Stranded and Streaming. Hot take. <laughs> but that's all I have. Yes, go see it. Even if you haven't seen the other two, I guess. that's. I guess that's what I had to end up at mm-hmm. by telling a convoluted story about Star Wars. <laughs> we get there eventually. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks for taking me on this journey, Carter. Right. <laughs> My self-discovery. Oh, man. Spoiler warning. All right. So from here on out... If you haven't seen it, spoilers, we will be discussing the movie at length. First of all, it really is The Matrix 2 Part 2. Like, it needs to be said up front. There is very little standalone movie by itself-ness of, or not Resurrections, Revolutions. Mm. And I think we we discussed this a little bit in the last episode when we were talking about how um, the Wachowskis wanted to make a big long film and mm-hmm. they wound up having to split it due to producers and 
studio requests and all that. So yeah, it, it was 2003. It, they weren't, nobody was ready for a, <laughs> a five four hour, hour long movie. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we weren't ready for Batman versus Superman yet. Right. Or <laughs> we never were. <laughs> Zack Snyder's Justice League. <laughs> <laughs> so that's kind of what we were alluding to in the see it or don't portion here. Mm. It's really meant to be watched right after watching the second movie because it mm. is a really big long movie that just got split into two. They were filmed back to back. Yes. So like production started on Reloaded. Filmed the, and released back to back. Yeah. And, and released in the same year. Right? A same year. Yeah. It was like just uh, like six months apart mm-hmm. what, during the like you went to theaters, didn't realize you were going to go in for this is a part one only. Mm-hmm. And I was like really pissed off at Reloaded. I was like, what? What the shit is this? Kind of like the new Dune movie. <clears throat> yeah. You, know, you get to the end and you didn't know until like a week later that they just got the second half of that uh, franchise going. But it felt good with Dune because I just walked in like, huh, Dune, you know? <laughs> but Matrix Reloaded, I already walked in with heavy like, I, I'm a big fan of the first one. I'm a philosophy 101 student. Like I'm a big <laughs> fucking deal. Right. Like with this pompousness of like, I know everything there is to know about reality. Right. So, <laughs> <laughs> so that was your spoiler warning. Yes. Uh, get out now and come back if uh, you're not ready for it. Correct. Yes. Go watch the movie if you haven't seen it and then we'll discuss. Story time. <laughs> <laughs> um, Without further ado, the Sentinels will arrive in Zion in 20 hours. <laughs> we, we open with, it It really does come back right off of the tail of the second episode here. Mm-hmm. The Sentinels are still digging. They're only 20 hours away from Zion. Neo is stuck in limbo, Yep. which you had a fun little uh, tidbit about that for the train station that he's in. Neo is somehow in the Matrix without actually being jacked in now because right. he was uh, he he passed out at the end of the last movie, stopping Sentinels in the real world mm-hmm. with his mega mega cool chosen one powers. The one powers. Yep, the, the one powers. <laughs> I like that. TM. <laughs> we did a first WB. <laughs> Come get your money. <laughs> uh, so he was passed out by this movie. It launches. He's um, he's in a coma in a weird way. Mm-hmm. And he's in the medical bay with now Bane Smith. <clears throat> but again, there's a major reason why I was upset. You'll have to listen to the end of episode, uh, the reloaded episode to know why I was pissed off. I'll keep that spoiler there. Mm-hmm. Uh, Neo is in this weird uh, limbo place called Mobile Avenue. It's a train station. Mm-hmm. And this is where we meet Sati, um, a little young uh, Indian girl. Uh, her father, uh, Ramakandra, and his wife, Kamala. Mm-hmm. Neo is kind of confused. He's in this weird place. Now, Mobile Avenue, if you mix it around, it means uh, limbo. And this is like a weird... If you ever seen Ralph Breaks the Internet, I think it's the power, um, the surge protector. <laughs> it's a place where all the characters live mm-hmm. in between the, the wall going out mm-hmm. and the Matrix itself. <laughs> it's the hub. Yeah, it's the hub of everything. <laughs> this is a hit. This is a secret program written by um, the train... What is it? The train man. The train man. There he is. <laughs> Who works for the Merovingian. Ooh. The, oh. the big bad. <laughs> so Neo is introduced to uh, Sati and her father, Rama, and his wife, Kamala. Mm-hmm. And this is kind of our first time we get to see machines having their own developing love 
uh, Sati is these are computer programs. Mm-hmm. Rama and Kamala, the father and mother, they're both programs on their own. They each have their own job in the Matrix, but they wrote a code and created their daughter Sati. They behave as if humans do. Yeah, it, it's it was an interesting concept that I didn't really get the first time watching through the movies, mm-hmm. but being a little bit older and kind of understanding more about that, it was really interesting seeing how programs were really behaving like human beings inside Sentient the machines. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Same with the Merovingian and his wife, you know, he was just power drunk and all about pleasure, you know, uh-huh. and he was just doing what any power hungry person would do. You know, they want more power and abuse it. So <laughs> I definitely relate to the Merovingian. <laughs> Never, ever give me absolute power. I, What's that saying? Like, uh, absolute power corrupts absolutely? Absolutely, it does. Yeah, like, I wouldn't even last a minute. Like, 48 seconds into having full power, bad decisions <laughs> would have already been executed right away. <laughs> so I can't judge the Mary Vingen. But anyways, Neo meets these characters. We're introduced to that concept of uh, machines developing love. Mm-hmm. And Neo kind of like trying to figure out where he's at. Mm-hmm. And then the train man shows up. Well, what's what's the word? Uh, smuggle sati into the matrix this is how programs get programs into the matrix without being spotted by the system right so they the besides humans trying to leave the matrix there's programs that are trying to enter the matrix too Mm -hmm. uh this kind of weird refugee situation the train man shows up and then we're introduced to the concept that this is the construct that the train man has created the train man inherently behaves in a fashion that he brings people and goods into the matrix in and out oh yeah yeah, yeah. he's a kind of like a undercover thing yeah um if I was smarter, I'd know the word, but I'm not. <laughs> Anyways, he's a smuggler. <laughs> We're using all the sounds today. <laughs> so anyways, he's going to smuggle Sati in. That was a deal that Ramakandra made with the Merovingian. Mm-hmm. And um, fun thing, if you watch Reloaded, when Neo and gang enters the Merovingian, there's actually a quick, it's a blanket if you miss it, but Ramakandra is actually in there. He's being escorted out. He gives Neo a look, and Neo gives him a look. It lasts one second. Oh, and he mentions that when he's talking to him mm-hmm. in, in the limbo station. Yeah. yeah, he says, oh, I saw you in the restaurant, mm-hmm. yep. uh, the place. And when I saw that, I was like, wait, was it really? And I actually went back to Reloaded and drugged to that scene to look, and it is there. It's a split <laughs> second, but Blink that tells you, it, yeah. yeah, that tells you it was filmed back to back. Like, the whole that whole thing was there. It wasn't like someone came up with it five years later. Right. No, that's good. And that really does like add to it. Like he's, he's made a deal with the Merovingian to smuggle. Yeah. His daughter. For lack of a better word into the matrix. Human trap. No, not human computer (laughs) trafficking. This is malware. This is, this is, this is, this is smuggling malware. Getting past the Norton security sweep. (laughs) That's right. (laughs) So the train man shows up and starts getting these guys smuggled, Mm -hmm. uh, trafficked into the matrix. Neo (laughs) tries to be real slick and says, can I carry the suitcase for you? And tries to get on the train. Mm -hmm. The train man obviously catches this watching this with Tara. She points out a good thing. Neo offers to help the family to carry one suitcase the train man punches Neo so hard he hits the wall. He's still holding the suitcase. The train man gets onto the train and leaves with the family, smuggles him into the Matrix. Well, no, just Sati. The deal was Sati was going to be smuggled. Right. Her father and mother were going to be eliminated. Like, they were going to be removed from the Matrix because mm-hmm. they're not valid programs. So that's kind of sad. It sucks. But I don't know if that suitcase was intended for Sati because 
it stays with Neo in the limbo train. I noticed that too. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you forgot your bag. <laughs> and I think about it. If I'm a refugee trying to escape with my wife and daughter mm-hmm. and violence unfolds in front of me, would I like, how bad do I need that suitcase? And what's in the suitcase? You know what I mean? Mr. Train man, sir. Yeah. <laughs> I need that. <laughs> Can we go back? I know you don't like him, but we really need the stuff in that suitcase. <laughs> there are priceless belongings in mm-hmm. there. Or maybe it's just, I don't know, underwear and clothes for a week. Maybe they can't get away with it. Who knows? So uh, what's that movie? Seven. What's in the box? <laughs> for me, that's <laughs> what's in the suitcase. What's in the box? <laughs> um, while all that is happening, Morpheus and Trinity have gone to see the Oracle to mm. try and find out what's going on with Neo because they know that he is, well, they don't know, but they are suspecting that he's somewhere in the Matrix, even though he's in a coma in the mm. in the real world, but they don't know where he is. They've done all kinds of scans and can't find him, and, but the Oracle knows. She knows that he's being held by the train man and the Merovingian is the train man's employer, so they're going to have to go back to the Merovingian to get him out. Yeah. Ser- um, Seraph being the one that makes the call mm-hmm. from the Matrix into the real world for mm-hmm. Morpheus and friends to come rescue Neo. <laughs> Morpheus and friends. Well, Morpheus and friends need to visit. <laughs> no, correction. Morpheus and friend. <laughs> <laughs> Just Trinity. <laughs> Just <laughs> it'd be easier to say Morpheus and Trinity. Yeah. <laughs> Um, but anyway, they, they hear from her, they meet with her and then they go to find the train man thinking that maybe they can just solve this without the Merovingian. Mm -hmm. They do find him, but he loses them. That's, that's when he's on his way to go meet up with the family and smuggle Sati. Yeah. Sati's family, which, um, there's a cool little Easter egg that I found for the first time while watching. (laughs) I learned this just like 13 minutes ago. Uh (laughs) So I have watched through the Matrix series several times, obviously not as many times as you, but this is the first time I actually noticed this. <laughs> I've watched it more than you, never noticed this. <laughs> <laughs> so Morpheus and Trinity and Seraph confront the train man. He stops the train and he books it off the train. The very first like advertisement poster right there on the platform when he stops the train is an ad for tasty wheat. <laughs> <laughs> Everything the body needs. <laughs> call back to the original first movie when mouse was talking about tasty wheat and how everything tastes like chicken (laughs) and dozer tells him the goop that they're eating has everything the body needs yep it was a great little reference easter egg i thought that was hilarious when we open the merch store and you see a tasty wheat shirt (laughs) know that it is in due to this moment in time that carter discovered a glitch in the matrix <laughs> yeah i i've watched the matrix more than you and i've never caught that so the That's fact funny. that you did proves the point that i'm the idiot of the show it's a real blink and you miss it moment i almost missed it but i saw i thought i saw the word wheat and you can't even pause the screen like at the right place to see both words yeah because as soon as you can see tasty and wheat mm-hmm. when the train man has moved away from being directly in front of it it's all blurry because you're halfway through a frame in motion was watching yeah. him book it out of there. So you see wheat clearly. And then if you pause it, when you can see both words, it's mm-hmm. all blurry and you can kind of barely make it out, but it's definitely 
tasty wheat. <laughs> and it's even harder to see, but everything the body needs is a little tagline at the bottom. A little subtitle, yeah. Because of you, after that scene, I wanted to see all the other advertisements. And one of them was for a nuclear power plant, and it says maximum power. Mm-hmm. Now, I don't know if it's a reference to the power plant they had to like shut down in the second movie, but there is the sign after that is a power plant advertisement. If that's what it is, you saw it here first. Yeah. <laughs> We're <laughs> stranded and streaming, really getting down to the nitty gritty of the Matrix. The only other ad that I recognized was for Powerade. But aside from that, no, that's about it. Capitalism's fingers get real deep and everything, don't they? <laughs> Even in the Matrix. Right. Uh, so the they run into the train man, like you said, try to solve the situation without the Merovingian. Train man escapes. Uh, advertisement for tasty wheat. <laughs> train man just books it, and he actually technically I mentioned it, but he heads off to get Sati and the family, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and that's why he's late is because he was waylaid from the little confrontation there with Seraph and Morpheus and Trinity. And it's noted that he's not commonly ever late. Mm-hmm. So to derail the train man is a hell of an achievement. To derail the train man. <laughs> 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 Ooh, you caught that. Nice. I, I wanted to just like subvert that and keep uh. moving. <laughs> Morpheus and well now friends, because we got Seraph and Trinity. Right. They pursue him. And the next step is to go to a, this like nightclub. Which actually goes back to our, our previous episode of The Matrix that mm-hmm. there is the Wachowskis have a hard on for clubbing scenes because <laughs> this is the third one. The first one was uh, meeting Trinity with Rob Zombie playing in the background. Right. Second one was uh, Club Zion. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you had Club, Club Apocalypto. That's, that's right. Apocalypto. <laughs> <laughs> and now and ironically, you said Club Apocalypto. This club is actually called Club Hell with one L. Mm-hmm. It's referred to as Club Hell. <laughs> The Merovingian obviously owns it. Mm-hmm. And he even makes a, a reference to it. Like he says a line, something yep. about you fought through hell to get here. Yep. Literal <laughs> and figurative, huh? Uh, this opens, this is uh, literally why I love this movie is it's a visual masterpiece. Is it a smart, like uh, intellectual movie? Maybe if you want to look at the grand scheme of the Matrix. But mm-hmm. out of all the Matrix, this one is really about the action. Mm-hmm. And this club fight scene is still cool to this day. Are you talking about the portion before they get to the club or in the club? Uh, before they physically, like, it's like right in the weapon check-in room. Okay. Because something that I noticed, and maybe, I don't know if you have this in your notes or not, but it's definitely a callback to the first movie. Like, yes. the scene when uh, Neo, Neo and Trinity, Trinity assault the to, building? Yeah, when they go to save Morpheus. Yeah. Now it's just, they're in the other shoes where they're going to save Neo instead. Yeah. But it it really kind of not mirrors the scene, but is very similar. It's, Influential, right? Yeah. Slow-mo fight scene with the guns and Trinity people. running on the walls. Yeah. Running on the walls. The bad guys are up in the ceiling and Trinity doing her fan favorite, uh, floaty kicky. Uh-huh. <laughs> That's a technical term. Floaty kicky. Yep. <laughs> uh, no, it's a slowy floaty kicky. Cause it always, <laughs> well, fuck you. <laughs> I'm just kidding. <laughs> no, no, it stands. I know how you feel about slowy, slowy, floaty, kicky. <laughs> if you can come up with a better name for Trinity's kick, feel free to DM us. But slow, slowy, uh, floaty, kicky is where I'm at here. Yes, please give us a better name. <laughs> I'll see you in Club Hell. <laughs> Uh, so visually, just fantastic execution there. Mm-hmm. It, it leads up to uh, them getting to the Merovingian. There's this really cool thing where the Merovingian... They're, so they're doing this cool, like, sweeping the room back to back. Seraph, 
Morpheus and Trinity pointing their guns at like club attendees. Everybody, yeah. And as they're sweeping through the Merovingian, it's like, what? It alludes to that Seraph once worked for the Merovingian or in some way or form. People are alluding to this, but we don't get confirmation. That they know each other. Yeah. At least. Yeah. Seraph at some point was this like super maybe hitman or assassin for him, but mm-hmm. changed sides. I just like that the Merovingian, as powerful as he is, as terrible as he is. Kingpin. King, yes. King. That's, that's the word I'm looking for. Kingpin. Yet to stop the DJ at the club, he still has to lean over the railing and yell at him like like everybody else, like you or I. He's like, stop it! <laughs> Turn off the music. Yeah. I love the DJ. I didn't hear him the first time either. Mm-hmm. I thought at that moment he would have shot the man because I think that's like a full flex of power right there, right? Yeah. Again, don't give me power. But he doesn't. He's just like, stop stop it. Stop, stop the music, please. <laughs> music stop. Focuses on the gang. Mm-hmm. They get brought upstairs. You know, uh, turn in your weapons kind of thing. Mm-hmm. The Merovingian is kind of flexing now. And he's like, well, you know, I'll help you find Neo. But if you do me one thing, give me the Oracle's eyes. Mm-hmm. Uh, so you think that that's how the movie's going to play out? Nope. Trinity's like, fuck it. We're going to die right here. Causes a massive stalemate of... <laughs> guns to heads mm-hmm. Merovingian I love it super all powerful kingpin <laughs> succumbs to Trinity's ultimate badassness <laughs> love it so they don't broker a deal they just say if you we can all just die right here or you help us find Neo mm-hmm. they find Neo they save him there's one thing I want to mention about that scene before we move on mm. so just like in you know previous projects that we've talked about <laughs> Especially the the from the Matrix two from from Reloaded, with the the cave scene and Club Apocalypse and all that. Yeah. Um, now Club Hell. Club Hell. Yeah. <laughs> I I definitely don't want to have this come across the wrong way because I am not for kink shaming or anything like that. You know, mm, if mm. you're into what you're into, that's cool. You do you all that. <laughs> but there was an uncomfortable amount of leather and latex <laughs> on everyone at that club. Yeah. It was. Right. Like, I feel like it was a lot more subtle in the first movie when Neo follows the white rabbit to the club there. Mm-hmm. And obviously the um, the setting for the dance party in Zion was a little more... Uh, a la natural. Yeah, just yeah. because all they wear normally is like salvaged clothes and handmade items anyway. Yeah. And it's really warm down there. It was basically a sauna. So people started taking their clothes off and that's normal. Right. You know, um, in a high heat environment. Yeah. Yeah. Despite the, I'll, I'll still stick to my stance, you know, nudity and sexual content and stuff without provocation, just for, just for added flair. Really not necessary. All that stuff. Seasoning. Uh huh. I I just did the salt (laughs) bay. For those of you who can't see this, yeah. which is all of you, <laughs> for everyone, I just um, did Salt Bay of sprinkling sex and nudity, just just to gr- do it gratuitously. Yeah, gratu- <laughs> gratuitous sex. Um. So anyway, it's. I feel like that probably would be quote quote normal in a crazy club where you know nothing's off limits and all that stuff. Mm. Obviously, I have never been to anything like that before. So I don't know what's normal Mm. and definitely not trying to put shame on anybody out there. If that's what they're into, it was just really interesting seeing such a heavy amount of that. Like obviously all of the heroes that we see usually wear like leather jackets and uh, tight pants and things like that. And Mm. that's been kind of their staple, but for literally everyone there and they're mostly people who aren't unplugged, who are still part of the matrix, you know, it it was a little weird, just a little strange seeing 
that how gratuitous it was. It almost made me wonder, is it a sex club? Like, do people like <laughs> club and then like, you know, go have sex with strangers if that's their thing? Mm. And, and again, what you do with your body and who you do it with, as long as it's consensual, none of my business. I don't care. Mm-hmm. And I'm with you. Not to kink shame, but you're right. It is just, it's just this weird dynamic. <laughs> why so much leather and latex? <laughs> just just why? <laughs> I think it's just the Wachowskis like, just think that like if we're clubbing. Like this is the party scene. This is what we want. You got to turn it to a 13. <laughs> like you, you can't just have like a, and as a man who has actually been to nightclubs in various locales throughout the United States, mm-hmm. um, I will tell you, I was in Chicago and I, I went to a strip club and I was in a, it, I was there for automotive related stuff, like mm-hmm. totally clean. And I wasn't interested in going to a strip club. I'm, I've never been a guy that's like, I need to go to a strip club. It just, none of it entertains me. Like, mm-hmm. you know, <clears throat> whatever. But <laughs> I went in because they had 99 cent wings <laughs> and I'm not going to disclose the name of the club. It got shut down nowadays. Not because they violent. I think just the owners traded. Yeah. I don't think it's even a strip club anymore, but it may, I think it's just a big bar, but some of the best wings I've ever had was at the strip club. <laughs> not to get too far off topic, but I have heard that from people before that like strip clubs have the best wings not even just the best wings but like really good food yeah like it it just blows my mind that that's a real thing <laughs> like, like really <laughs> okay <laughs> weird but all right <laughs> you know what i really it really tells me money no object i would open the world's most delicious like i mean incredibly crafted food from world-renowned chefs i wouldn't tell people about it i'm talking michelin star level stuff Mm -hmm. and i'm not even going to have them price it that high we're going to make it affordable to the average person Mm -hmm. but i'm going to open this and it has to be in a strip club and it has to be somewhere in the bible belt (laughs) like ultimate controversy that's i think that's where the money's at carter Because we know if we open it in the Bible Belt, you would be extremely controversial. (laughs) We will be marched out of town and maybe hung somewhere. (laughs) Well, not you, me. (laughs) They'd be like, you seem all right. (laughs) That's funny. Wow. But I'm telling you, that's that's the ticket. This trip. Most strip clubs don't have good food. Mm -hmm. Uh, And if you're in Spokane, don't even like you don't even waste your time. Don't go to State Line. Don't go to the Tiki Lounge. It's not worth it. <laughs> and I'm, I'm, am I saying that from experience? I don't know, but I'm just telling you. <laughs> it's left to the imagination. <laughs> Interpret that how you want, audience. But I agree. It is kind of a weird club. Yeah. And I think maybe the Wachowskis never went to, like, they didn't club because they seem kind of um, very intelligent and incredible writers, but kind of mm-hmm. like reclusey. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. they just don't want to do the big social thing. Mm-hmm. They strike me as that. So it's almost like this is what we envision a club is. Mm-hmm. But their influence is a lot of anime, Ghost in the Shell. So it's almost like what your imagination is like, how cool would this club be? Mm-hmm. But not actually been in a real club. And I kind of think that might be the path that they took too, just because everything's more exaggerated mm-hmm. in the Matrix. Yeah. Every Everything is like what you would consider to be normal. Like you said, dial it up to 13 and that's what it is. Yeah. So that could be just a, the matrix thing, or it could be that it's something else. Maybe they didn't have clubbing experience and it's just their imagination, but whatever it is, is interesting. I, I will say this about nightclubs because we're on it. I think nightclubs are a societal test on how fake we really want to be. I, I truly like, and I say that as a guy who I, I have nothing against you. If you go to the club, I think it's, if you're out in Vegas and you want to go clubbing, that's good. Like whatever, do your thing. Mm-hmm. You know, you do, you don't even care. No judgment. 
But I think the psychological thing deep down inside is every time I've been to a club and I'm with friends, I, I only went to a strip club by myself once and it was for Buffalo Wings. <laughs> That's the only time in my life I went to a strip club alone. Everything else was always like your standard. Uh, and I say this like bachelor parties or, you know, it's like I'm so tired of going to a strip club for a bachelor party that I'm over it. Like now in my thirties, it's like, if you, you guys can go, I don't want to go. Mm-hmm. Like I'll go with you if you guys need a DD, I guess, mm-hmm. but I'll spend most time on my phone, like watching shows, <laughs> <laughs> but in a nightclub environment, it's just a lot of people. We're all, we're all trying to like establish. It's literally like social media. Mm-hmm. It's what you want the world to see you as, mm-hmm. but not your true self. And like inside, like everybody is just fighting so hard to show everybody else how cool they are mm-hmm. or how exciting they are. And obviously the, the clubs capitalize on that. So it's like this weird ingenious, like the Merovingian gets it. He's like, everybody just wants to be fake. Mm-hmm. I will give them a real place to do it and spend money. <laughs> that, that's my word on nightclubs. Yeah. <laughs> so you're not missing out, Carter, by, by not clubbing. <laughs> Good to know. <laughs> but as soon as your daughter comes of age, and mine does too, we will go clubbing with our daughters. <laughs> just so you can know and then we can keep an eye on them. You know what I mean? Right, right. Yeah. That's That sounded really weird the way I portrayed that. but uh, maybe, maybe we'll cut that out. No, I'm leaving it. <laughs> Every time you tell me to cut something out, I just leave it. <laughs> I meant what I said in a very non CD way. Okay. Yeah. Disclaimer. <laughs> I'll, t- I'll take your word for it. <laughs> Anyways. Uh, so on from the nightclub, what, what are they, they made a deal. They were going to get Neo. They saved Neo. That's yes, where we are. They at. do save Neo. Trinity um, shows up on the platform. They hug, they keys, <laughs> uh, they hug, they keys, they um, unplug, they get back out. And Neo doesn't. Oh, that's right. No, he goes to visit the Oracle again. Yes. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And Oracle pretty much tells them the whole plot of the rest of this movie is Smith is the big bad. (laughs) (laughs) Either you or him. Somebody's going to win. This war is going to end one way or another, but it's you versus Smith. And you're going to have to be the one to decide how it happens. Neo takes off and then Smith obviously shows up and starts assimilating everyone. The Oracle starts alluding that Smith is going around and corrupting everybody's version of the, of themselves in the matrix. Right. There is one tiny note I want to make in this scene Seraph, mm. badass, like bodyguard, protector, p- potentially, obviously, at some point in his life, a previous assassin or underworld crony, right? He definitely seems like he would have a shady past. Yes. Seraph has a shady past. I love this. There's This highlights the other half of Seraph that I never thought was... Um, it never hit my mind until now as an adult, because... Mm-hmm. Because as you get older, you learn that everyone is nuanced, right? Everyone has a much deeper. We're not just one dimensional people. Yeah. We have things that. There's um, layers. Yes. Yes. Beautifully done. (laughs) There's layers of us. Ogres have layers. (laughs) (laughs) Or onions have. I don't know. Anyway, (laughs) moving on. We got to do Shrek sometimes. Besides being a uh, world underground (laughs) renowned badass murder assassin and now bodyguard to the Oracle. Seraph is a fine connoisseur of cookies. <laughs> As the Oracle is helping Sati make a batch of cookies, mm-hmm. she she says she's like kind of like conversing with her, and she's like, mm-hmm. "Do you think they're ready?" And she's like, "Go bring them to Seraph and see what he thinks." <laughs> and this tells me that this man who can just eliminate a person with not a moment of guilt on his days off after collecting his millions of dollars from assassinating people in the Matrix, he just makes cookies. And he knows everything there is to know about making a, a delicious, <laughs> wholesome, family-friendly cookie. <laughs> I I don't want to steal your thunder, and 
I, I would love it if that really is what it is. That'd be so funny. You don't believe it, do you? I don't believe it at all. <laughs> <laughs> so what if Santi runs up to Seraph and she's like, what do you think, Seraph? And he's like, I don't know. Tastes fine to me. Tastes like a chocolate chip cookie. I don't know. <laughs> you did a great job, Sati. I'm pretty sure the Oracle just wants to talk to Neo alone without, t- without Sati being there. <laughs> I think she's just trying to get rid of Sati for a minute. <laughs> just, hey, here, take this to Sarah. I got to talk to Neo. Because <laughs> that's totally something I would do. If there's something, something um, not necessarily secret, but something that's not age appropriate that I need to talk to an adult about, and there's a small child nearby, I'd be like, hey, here, I've got this. Take it to that person over there. I'll be right back. <laughs> That deserves a sad trombone. Feel free to... Way to go, you dick. <laughs> Ru- ruined my theory. I, I, I love how you interpreted that, but I just... I, I don't agree. <laughs> More than anything, with our batting record, I know you're right. I just want to absolutely refuse to agree. The only reason why I say that, though, and why I picked up on that yeah. in the way that I did is because I've actually had to do that. <laughs> oh, like di- divert a kid's attention? Yeah. So you can have an adult conversation uh-huh. about the end of Zion? Yes. And civilization? <laughs> As we know it. <laughs> Go ask Sarah for these cookies already. <laughs> make sure make sure it takes a minute. I want him to sample the dough at least a couple of times. This is going to be a long conversation over here. <laughs> I have, when your daughter starts talking, I have to educate her that my name is Seraph and not Dylan, just so we can pull that one line like joke one day. Go ask Seraph if these cookies are done. <laughs> and then after that day, I'm like, my name is actually Dylan, kid. <laughs> we only did this because I wanted a joke to pull through. <laughs> oh, well, man. I'm traumatized now. So Seraph is I'm not. So, a- so sorry. <laughs> Well, that sucks. That ruins all my notes for the Matrix because the rest of my notes here revolve around Sarah making cookies. <laughs> that really dicks up everything. Uh, <laughs> uh, let's see. So Smith assimilates the Oracle. Mm, I mean, yep. First, he corners Seraph and Sati. Um, but yeah, then he assimilates them. Mm-hmm. And at some point, we assume Seraph as well. Mm-hmm. So Smith. Yeah, it's it's not shown. It's implied. Yeah. But there's enough of, you know, the Smiths confronting him. There's no way he's getting out of that. Bane Smith. Bane slash, I'm just calling him Bane Smith. Bane or, Smith. Or is it Smith Bane? Smith Bane. Bane Smith. Well, no, because the real life version is Bane. Mm-hmm. So I guess we'll call him Bane. He didn't last too long. <laughs> Spoilers. <laughs> Bane Smith wakes up in the real world. Um, the team. So right now everybody is in the real world on the hammer, the ship, the hammer. Mm-hmm. They're searching for a Niobe ship. She's like, she survived. And in the video games, it ends at the end of Reloaded, where Niobe, Ghost, and her operator, they make it out. And mm-hmm. then the video game ends. So now the ship picks them up, gets their ship a jump start. It switches over to Zion. They're preparing for the attack. It introduces Captain Mifune. Mm-hmm. I'll mention a fun fact about Mifune later. Um, so the team at this point decides to split up, right? Real Bane wakes up, murders the medic, Maggie, mm-hmm. on the hammer. And and this is happening without everyone's knowledge at the right at this moment. They decide they need to split up. Neo's like, hey, I have to go to the core because this is the, the whole point of the movie. He's going to go to the Machine City. The source. The source. The source of the cookies. <laughs> <laughs> He's going to broker a deal because we know, well, he knows that Smith is taking out of control now. Mm-hmm. And that's the only way is that he's going to broker peace with the 
the source, the Machine City, that he needs help. They need to leave Zion alone, but he will fight Smith because they've lost control of the program and Smith himself. Mm-hmm. They all decided to split up. Neo and Trinity, Niobe volunteers her ship for this suicide mission. Mm-hmm. So Neo and Trinity take that ship, and then the, everybody else is headed to Zion to help with the to hold back the attack. Neo and Trinity take off, in it, and that's where Bane Smith is actually hiding on. He distracts Trinity. Neo, they, so they're about to take off. The, the hammer says it's already flown away now. They're mm-hmm. about to get ready on their departure, and then this, the whole Bane Smith interaction happens. Trinity's attacked. Uh, Neo gets involved. Trinity gets a little bit banged up. You always, I love your detail when it, you talk about CGI and then practical effects. Mm-hmm. And the practical uh, Bane Smith, he takes an electrical cord that's damaged in the fight and burns Neo's human eyes mm-hmm. right up. Yeah. Uh, Neo, we discover Neo can actually see, even though he's blinded now, mm-hmm. he can see, like still see code and everything because of his time in the matrix. It's like he can see electrical patterns. Yeah. It kind of looks like that's what it is that he can see. It's, it's not necessarily like the matrix code anymore. Mm-hmm. It's more just like the glow of electricity. And he defeats uh Bane Smith. Mm-hmm. It, it's weird. Cause in the, it was a really big reveal like, yeah. for, for Neo and Trinity. Trinity didn't get it. Um, but after uh, Bane was talking to Neo and saying some of the same things, I mean, obviously we already knew that he is Smith's consciousness in Bane's body, but Neo mm. didn't know and he was all confused. But after saying, after calling him Mr. Anderson multiple times and telling him, <laughs> <laughs> there's a giveaway, right? Like how does Bane know your old alter ego? <laughs> <laughs> Neo is kind of a big prophet character though, mm-hmm. but you're right. That's, I, I didn't really think about that, but that is the first time Trinity's like, <gasps> That's not Bane. Mm-hmm. And Neo kind of connects the dots and he's like, that's impossible. How are, how are you, how are you here? But yeah, they, they have their showdown, big fight. Neo's blinded. Neo smashes his head apart in the, like the digital version. Mm-hmm. He like hits his head and it evaporates. Mm-hmm. So I thought he beheaded the man, but as soon as that scene ends and it cuts to Bane laying on the ground, his head's still there. So right. just cranial fracture, I guess. Mm-hmm. But I thought his head was going to be 900 pieces. <laughs> and I was like, wow, I don't know how they're going to pull this off. Right. But yeah, it's funny you mentioned the uh, the practical effects. His eyes and Bane's face after Trinity kicks him. Mm. Like there's the first little tussle with him and Trinity in the bottom of the ship with all the fuses. And she kicks him in the face a couple of times. Oh, he's all bloodied up. He's all bloodied up and he's got huge cuts on his face. Like the practical effects and makeup artistry that they do. Phenomenal. Captain Mifune later. mm Mm-hmm. With the cuts? Oh, yeah. Yeah. It definitely, like, showcases some real talent from the makeup department. Like, almost um, horror movie, um, like, skill sets, right? From Mm -hmm. those, like, gruesome scenes. Yeah. I'm I'm definitely not surprised at how graphic they made that with, I mean, obviously, the movie's rated R. Mm -hmm. So, and for not just that, but what they were able to do with those practical effects was pretty impressive. Yeah. Yeah. Zion prepares for the attack, introduces Captain Mifune. He's he's a kind of a really cool, he gets sacrificed later, mm-hmm. but there's a fun fact behind why he's named that later, I'll tell you everyone. Let's see, team splits up. <laughs> my notes are <laughs> my notes are just crazy. Like if I ever gave you my notes, they wouldn't make any sense. <laughs> right here, right after that scene, my note says, shit ramps up in Zion as we see APU mechs. Mm-hmm. Machines drill through and fight ensues. Mifune dies in a massive attack. <laughs> I should never be allowed to write a film. <laughs> that definitely covered it. That Pretty covered accurate. like half an hour. <laughs> <laughs> 
Um, one more thing I just wanted to say real quick about the um, little fight between Neo and Bane. Oh, yeah. So obviously this was before, in the before times. <laughs> the I've, ye old days? The ye old days. <laughs> I've noticed that there are a lot of movies nowadays that will have a photosensitivity warning mm. in front of the movie. So like when it's released in theaters or, or even like on the streaming platforms and stuff, sometimes there'll be a little notice like before the movie starts, Hey, this is this, uh, Oh, may, are, may induce scenes. seizures. Yeah. May induce seizures. This, if you're photosensitive, you know, take care, be cautious, all that. Yeah. I'm surprised. I'm not surprised. And I'm surprised. I'm not surprised given how old, it's not that old, but you know, 20 years ago, that wasn't a common thing. Mm -hmm. 2003, that fight scene with the lightning gun still going off and Oh, the flashing. Mm -hmm. It was very photo photosensitive. Oh. I'm surprised that nobody talked about that. That is, yeah, that is interesting. Mm -hmm. There's actually dedicated, um, review Instagrams and uh, movie review teams mm -hmm. that only review movies for certain things. Like, um, people who can't stand the sight of blood. Or, or vomiting. Yeah. Trigger warnings and stuff. Yeah. Those, mm -hmm. there's actually teams out there that literally, that's all they do. They just watch movies and give people a quick rundown. Like, Oh, Hey, at four minutes and 38 seconds, there's a scene of this person vomiting. You will want to fast forward. That's pretty cool. And very, I'm all for, you know, people knowing what's going on. Cause yeah. God, if my kid had like seizures from that shit, I'd be super pissed. Oh yeah. Like, mm -hmm. hey, whoa, 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 don't watch the Matrix Revolutions. <laughs> what are you thinking? You get seizures. <laughs> I, I don't know. I, obviously, I don't have that, so I don't know what it's like. Yeah. But if you uh, suffer from any, like, light sensitivity, I'm really curious. If you're watching the movie in a dark room, obviously, that would trigger it. But what if the room is lit? You know, this may be a Google away, but yeah. I'm just curious if anyone who's who gets seizures from the strobing effects and stuff, mm -hmm. uh, do chime in and let us know. Yeah. Very curious. If anybody has any photosensitivity like that and is comfortable sharing with us, message us and let us know. Yeah. That, that would be very interesting to hear about. And and, and I'm asking mm -hmm. this in a very uh, respectful and... Educational yeah, sense. Yeah, I'm not like looking for you to answer so I can make a joke out of it. That's that not that's not cool with me and I'm not interested in doing right. that. Right, right. <laughs> <laughs> Um, I say, and then we, we both laugh. <laughs> <laughs> Why do we laugh? I don't know. Probably because we, we know that, uh, I'm always going to get us into trouble. Dark sense of humor. <laughs> or in if, this case, bright, flashy light sense of humor. If you, if you want me to make a joke about it, <laughs> do educate me and then let me know what's funny. Right. <laughs> So yes, after that happens, the hammer's on its way to Zion. Yeah. They're estimating that they'll get there about when the when the Sentinels do, but the Sentinels are ahead of schedule. Yeah. So yeah, everybody that's still in Zion, all of the captains there, all of the mechs, the APUs you were talking about, we see them getting ready for their showdown. Mm -hmm. And that's when the drill pops through the ceiling into the it's like their main dock. It's yeah. not, it's not the main part of, of Zion, but it's where all the ships arrive and depart and all that. Yeah. And that starts the first big Zion fight scene. We see the APUs in action. Mm -hmm. This is cool. Cause obviously the Wachowskis, um, a lot of influential by Asian manga and anime. <clears throat> Excuse me. It reminds me of McWarrior, the game from the nineties, which I think they have a modern version now. Don't care. Whatever. Mm -hmm. McWarrior is really cool. Um, but almost like Gundam, like anime robots shooting. Mm -hmm. Cause this is actually, 
I mean, obviously you can tell it's CG nowadays, but it still kind of holds up in a weird, like awesome techie way. Mm-hmm. But the machines, um, you, you move the arms and they're shooting and there's ammo cartridges on the shoulders that have to be human, like, like reloaded by a little man, right? Mm-hmm. It's the machine doesn't just, the hands are guns. Right. So you have to have like a support team to make these machines actually functional mm-hmm. in a combat situation. That was really a cool detail. We're introduced to the kid. He mm-hmm. doesn't really get a name. He's called the kid. You only know about him if you watch the Animatrix. And from uh, the second movie. Yeah. He talks to Neo a couple times. He pops up also as <clears throat> the kid. Mm-hmm. In this fight, Captain Mifune um, falls mm-hmm. and the kid has to take over his mech. And like we said, Mifune's makeup when he's the, like, this whole swarm comes at him while he's like shooting at them. A swarm of sentinels. Yeah. Yeah. Just takes him head on. He dies in a blaze of glory. Mm-hmm. And so the, the big uh, the big dramatic thing right now is the gate. It has to be opened so the hammer can fly through. Mm-hmm. Niobe, uh, Morpheus, and friends. Mm-hmm. They have to get through, but the gate is closed. And Mifune's job, well, they think it's Mifune, but the, he's passed now. And the kid's taking control of the, the APU, the, the mech suit. Mm-hmm. And he has to obviously open the door in time by using the gun. So he shoots the thing and then boom. The hammer flies through, right? This whole swarm, I mean, shit is going down on this dock, Mm -hmm. and they deploy the EMP, and at this moment, appears to have saved everybody. Mm -hmm. Like, oh, that was good. (laughs) Um, They automatically get in trouble, the the crew of the hammer, and I love the scene in in the argument. They're like, wait, wait, wait. I thought we just won the fight for yeah, you. We guys. just saved the duck. <laughs> no, you just handed it to them on a silver plate. <laughs> yep, because they it's shutting down the machines that were attacking. Also, shut down all the other equipment. All that of they their had. equipment. Yeah, yeah. That's the trouble with EMPs is they don't they're they're not uh, faction friendly. <laughs> uh, n- non discriminatory. It will ruin something akin to uh, you haven't heard of this, but it has been going around. It's called the coronavirus. Oh, weird. <laughs> Doesn't care who you are. It'll <laughs> fuck your shit up if you can get to it. <laughs> so, yeah, that whole scene, the whole fight sequence there, the battle, very exciting. Very. There's a lot more that happens, but, you know, it'd be too much to get into all the details. Yeah, it kind of um, ruined the... You, you should see it. Like, it's, it's just visually really fun. Yes. Very cool. Lots of sentinel activity, lots of people getting attacked by the sentinels and people destroying the sentinels and all that. But after that battle and, oh, the hammer chase, that was a really cool scene. Oh, where Niobe's piloting it? Mm -hmm. Very Star Wars-esque feel, doesn't it? Yes. Yes, very cool. She uh, takes over Roland's ship. He gets to go in the back and shoot sentinels, but they trigger their proximity alert or whatever. Like she makes some noise unexpectedly and they have to go down a maintenance tunnel. Mm, And the machines pursue them. Mm -hmm. And and this maintenance tunnel, it's like nobody has ever been able to pilot this thing. Mm -hmm. And Niobe, pretty cool, strong, uh, boss girl move she's like nope i can do it done it before before, yeah (laughs) (laughs) and that was really cool the way that she was like directing morpheus to like divert power between different platforms and stuff and yeah telling him how to how to maneuver and all that and she's like it's tight spaces yeah that was a very cool sequence watching all that happen so the hammer chase was a cool scene before they get through the gate <clears throat> you say that, and I do want to mention, and this is just to protect our show in the future, but Warner Brothers, if you are in partnership with Universal Studios and want to do a ride that remotely replicates the Millennium Falcon at uh, Galaxy's Edge, oh my gosh. you should do a Matrix, um, you know, last ride with Niobe, like mm-hmm. ride or die kind of shit, and reenact that and make, make people throw up. Really? <laughs> <laughs> make people throw up. <laughs> 
I mean, really anything Matrix related would be a sweet ride at Universal yeah. Studios. Um, yeah, that would be really cool. That's a, a fantastic idea. I don't know. Today at one forty six p.m. Uh, what's the date? January 16th. January 16th. We said that first. <laughs> so if Warner Brothers does execute this and someone sees it down the road, send us our check. <laughs> we want our cut. Yeah, that's it. I'm, I'm in this for purely profit motive. <laughs> I don't care about movies. I haven't seen this. Mm-hmm. I asked somebody else to write these notes. That's why they don't make any sense. <laughs> <laughs> I went on Fiverr and had some kid like out of Scotland do it for me. <laughs> oh my gosh. Hey, watch this movie and give me a rundown. <laughs> yeah. I don't know if that ever would happen just because I know Warner brothers does do a lot with universal, but I don't know how connected they are. Cause well, like Harry I, Potter's Warner yeah, brothers. I only say that because Harry Potter has their thing in the universal studio side, but I know that's a very special circumstance. Like mm. it has to do with JK Rowling and a lot of, Licensing other licensing yeah 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 okay it's possible it could happen but if it does we better find out about it (laughs) if wb opens up a theme park you know it's gonna look like the backdrop of the animaniacs (laughs) you know what i mean like it's like a a meta joke where it's like Mm -hmm. the real universal studio or warner Brothers studios (laughs) yeah i don't i don't know i feel like it's gonna be a shitty soulless ripoff yeah not to say that disney's parks and toys and crap in there is not I'm going for the first time uh, in a week. Yeah. My first time. And you know what? I don't give a shit about the rest. I'm going to Star Wars. I'm going to Galaxy's Edge. I'm going to the Cantina. Very cool. Okay. So the, uh, they blow the EMP. They get in trouble because the audience is treated to the fact that this is the grand, like, oh, they saved everyone. Mm-hmm. It's not. More machines are coming. They're jump starting another drill. Like, the machines are like, okay, cool. Now that everything's shut down, we'll come fucking shit up. Yeah. The machines are on their way. Cuts to Neo and Trinity. They're mm-hmm. they're getting up to the border of the city, and the machine defense is really cool. Very Star Wars, Star Trek esque. Mm-hmm. They start like they have these cannons that are launching these suicide bombers. Like uh, Al Qaeda, take note. Like this is <laughs> oh, my gosh. oh, maybe I'll cut that out. That sounds- <laughs> Uh, well, uh, okay. So how do I phrase that in a much more family friendly way? Um, if you're building a city and you need defenses, this is a very smart way of doing it with machines, with machines. Yes. Uh, yes. these machine bombs are flying at Neo and Trinity in their ship mm-hmm. and Neo puts up his hand. And once again, this is the second time you see him execute matrix powers in real life. Mm-hmm. He's blowing up these little bombs, but even then he couldn't handle it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he was starting to get overwhelmed by all the Sentinels crowding the ship and all that. Yeah. And so he says, we, we got to go up. We got to go up. This is really cool. Uh, Trinity's like, I don't know, is that a good idea? And he's like, that's the only way we're going to make it. She pulls the throttle stick back. They shoot up. They break through that dark cloud that we've seen for two movies now. Mm-hmm. And for a split second, they float right above before they drop back through the clouds. But we see actual sunlight in real life. Mm-hmm. Not, I mean, everyone has seen, most of us have seen real sunlight, but it was just cool for the Matrix universe to kind of give us that brief moment of like, is it respite? Is that just, just a moment? Mm-hmm. And then they're back down. They crash. Yeah. So shit can never go well for these two. <laughs> they crash into the city. Neil gets his face barbecued. Uh, they try to survive their shit and then they crash. Mm-hmm. Oh, and um, will you sad trombone this for me? Trinity dies. (laughs) 
which is actually a moment of very strong acting range for Keanu Reeves, mm-hmm. a man who I naturally attribute with just one kind of whoa emotion. <laughs> <laughs> He's uh, very startled by the loss of the love of his life and mm-hmm. also his uh, the only other person to kind of, well, I mean, many people help him, but she's like well, the most personal to him. Right. They're very close. Neo uh, heads up to the machine, uh, into the machine. Like It's like a secret path into the machine city. Mm-hmm. And he's instantly confronted by what is credited as the deus ex machina, mm-hmm. the man in the machine. It's, uh, it's, it's a swarm of robots that create this visual effect of a face. Mm-hmm. I have fun facts about the face at the end. Um, and this is where Neo brokers the deal. So right now in Zion, the next wave of attacks starts happening. People are very upset to find out that that EMP strike was not going to save all of us. Mm -hmm. Neo is at this moment brokering peace. He's saying, look, you've lost control of the, uh, of Smith. That's why I'm here. And the machines, it's pretty cool. They're not just like, okay, sounds good. They're hesitant at the beginning. Like we don't need your help. Really cool. I like that. That's very consistent. And, um, Neo's like, well, I'll fight Smith, but, Zion has to survive and I'll do this for all of us and I'll sacrifice myself. Mm-hmm. And I like the machine says, what if you don't succeed? And he's like, I won't very cocky. Well, I don't think he knew he was going to sacrifice himself in the beginning. I think he knew he was going in to try and defeat Smith, but I don't think he knew what was going to happen. And I have, I have something about that. I have some, some evidence. Oh, okay. <laughs> so when, when we get to, that as point, we get there. Yeah. Okay. The machines. <laughs> it's so funny. I'm so very immature too. my notes here. <laughs> it says, the machines hook Neo up to the cords and jack him back into the matrix. And then I wrote a little like in parentheses, that's like key time for Jack off joke. <laughs> I have no joke. <laughs> the machines jack Neo into the matrix. <laughs> it's probably for the best. Maybe we should it, just move on. Yeah, let's move on. <laughs> it's not stranded in streaming unless it gets juvenile just for a moment. Um, Neo's back in and now like, this is like the rest of the movie, this epic, epic fight, Mm -hmm. man of steel, sit down. This happened way before you did Uh, Superman flying in the air, fighting with another big bad that flies. Mm -hmm. I mean, the fight was cool in the Superman man of steel, but this even today, Looking back, 2003, this is some cool fight scenes. You got the rain coming down, mm-hmm. which is actually some of it. If you pause, it's digital code. It's not all rain. Oh. Yeah. Fun fact. I did not know that. But watch it in 4K. And, and sometimes if you, it's not always because sometimes it is real rain from the set. Yeah. But they, they intermix with fake digital code dropping along with the rain. Mm-hmm. And that's why the rain falls in not um, a natural fashion. It's just straight down constant all the time, like a downpour. Yeah. But it's just weird. It's like it's real, but it's not. That is weird. The way they angled the rain and everything. Yeah. Uh, so Neo fights with Smith. I don't need to get into this, but it is super cool. We got some amazing effects where two um, forces are colliding. And because the rain is so heavy. The shock waves. The shock waves. Yes. Mm-hmm. So cool. Mm-hmm. It's very thematically awesome sequence. Very cool. Big fight scene. Uh, concussive blasts in there. Mm-hmm. Let's see. Uh, some cool like. I mean, it just returns to like what the things that we liked as young kids, like mm-hmm. um, Dragon Ball Z, the the ultimate fights. Like this is the ultimate fight. You haven't seen my final form, like that kind of stuff, right? <laughs> Over nine thousand. <laughs> <laughs> the fact that powers are measured in some kind of unit cracks me up. Right. <laughs> I thought it was interesting. There's a few little one liners in there, but the one that stuck with me was I'm pretty sure the one Smith that he fights. Mm-hmm is the one that he assimilated from the Oracle. 
Yes, you, you are right. There's definitely some evidence there after the fight ends. Mm-hmm. Um, but what he says was, we all knew that I would be the one to defeat you. So they're all just taking a back seat. They're just going to watch mm-hmm. while I defeat you. Yeah, this is this is Oracle Smith, mm-hmm. the ultimate Oracle Smith. There's only one part of that that kind of made me scratch my head a little bit and didn't really have an explanation. And that's how can Smith fly? Like that didn't really get explained. And I'm wondering if there is a connection there between him assimilating the Oracle and Neo getting his powers essentially from the Oracle and every reset of the matrix and all that. But there wasn't an established explanation for Smith suddenly having the ability to keep up with Neo that way. It's not technically the Oracle giving him the power to fly (laughs) matrix nerd moment. (laughs) Smith is referred to. <laughs> that's right. When Neo dived into Smith and blew him to, you know, jalapeno pieces from the first movie, from the first movie, mm-hmm. and then him coming to life in the second movie because of his code being destructed and the Oracle referencing that Neo, the, he's your opposite. He's the other half. Oh, okay. Also, you could attribute the moment in Matrix Reloaded in the burly brawl fight scene mm-hmm. where Smith sticks his hand in Neo to assimilate him and couldn't. That's a moment where their code also coalesced. Kind of merged. Yeah. So he mm-hmm. accessed. So in a weird way, Smith has always had the power to fly, but it wasn't until he assimilated the Oracle to unlock the ultimate code, like mm. like the cheat code. Of okay. You can fly. That makes sense. Neo yeah. obviously discovered that at the end of the first Matrix, but uh. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, uh, no, you got schooled. <laughs> or, no, actually, from our show, um, you know what kind of train that is? <laughs> Do ya? <laughs> All right, Matrix nerd. <laughs> What's this? What is it, Annoying Kid? Uh-huh. No, no, he had a name in that uh, Polar Express. I think it was Annoying annoying Kid or um, Obnoxious obnoxious Boy. We have we have an audience. There's there's a cat at the, in the window of uh, my basement watching us do this show. <laughs> Hello. We have our first live audience member. <laughs> it's a neighborhood cat. <laughs> Can I? Oh, where's my phone? Do you have your phone? Uh, I I do. Nope. Oh, he's leaving. He's well. Oh, okay. <laughs> uh, nope. I didn't get my camera out. In time. E- even the neighborhood cat couldn't stand our show and left as soon as he saw us. He's like, well. This sucks. <laughs> See you guys later. <laughs> uh, y- oh, it was know it all. Know it all. Know it all kid. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Anyways, that, that's from our Polar Express episode. If you want to know where that reference is from, go, <laughs> check, <back>. that <laughs> go check that one out. Uh, what is it? Fight scene. So yeah, Smith can fly mm-hmm. and uh, ultimate fight. I like this. Neo almost loses. Mm-hmm. And you actually watch me type these notes, but Neo gets this sudden extra surge of energy from the machines because they jacked him in mm-hmm. <laughs> to the matrix. <laughs> my notes here is Neo wins when the machines give him an extra CPU boost. So they overclocking him and frying his motherboard. D D dead. <laughs> That was uh, your addition to my note. So, and I'll point out, he doesn't get that boost until after Smith assimilates him. Yes. So what happened, Smith realizes because he's assimilated the Oracle, he's like, I've seen this. Mm. I know that this, I I know what's about to happen. I'm standing here. You're, you're down there. And I, and I say something I'm, I'm about to say everything that has a beginning has an end, Neo. And then he gets all confused, like, what? I, why would I say that? That doesn't make any sense. That's the Oracle speaking to Neo through Smith. Yep. Like, the last reaches that she 
could possibly get to him. Mm. That's when Neo realizes he has to sacrifice himself. Oh, the ultimate sacrifice, mm-hmm. huh? the death. Before then, it's it's pretty evenly matched right up until the end there when Smith really just pummels him into the ground. Yeah. But right up until that point, it's it's a give and take. They they are each other's other half. They're trying to fight and trying to gain the upper hand. And then when Smith tells him that, that's when Neo realizes what he has to do. Mm-hmm. And he allows Smith to shove his hand in his chest and assimilate him. <laughs> Such a weird sentence to hear it, it really someone is. say to you, right? <laughs> yeah. Could you imagine us in the writer's room? Be like, okay, so he shoves his hand into his chest. What? Yeah. <laughs> Why chest? Well, I don't know. There's other places to put it, but chest is probably <laughs> the best one. It's, it just, it, the reach is right there. It's just, it's, it, that, it makes the most sense. We got, we got to, we're trying to get an R rating on this, not NC 17. <laughs> his hand can only go into his chest. <laughs> so he assimilates him. And Smith, for a second, he kind of hesitates. Is it over? <laughs> and Neo Smith, he nods his head, and that's when his eyes start to glow. Okay. And that's when the machines give him that extra boost. They realize that he's turned. Okay. And I think that's them. Neo did sacrifice himself knowingly, and that's when that surge mm-hmm. happens. Mm-hmm. And then all of the Smiths explode. No, you're you're right. You're mm-hmm. actually very right. Just <laughs> And so they overclock Neil and <laughs> and burn his motherboard. <laughs> Just fry it. Actually, the fact that you say that really helps put into perspective human memory and interpretation mm-hmm. for me. Because obviously, between me and you, I'm a fanboy of the Matrix series, the trilogy, mm-hmm. right? Obviously, the first one the most. But it tells you that when you're a fan of something, even if it's Star Wars or something like that, it's nice to have another person who is not like, oh, mega diehard. They're just like, hey, it's cool. I'll watch it. No big deal. Mm-hmm. And you come in with this perspective that it's like, everything you're saying is right. I remembered this at some point in my life, but I've forgotten it because my mind, our, our brains are actually very like simple, right? We simplify things. The caveman brain. Yep. <laughs> so because you you pretty much, Neo is the Jesus figure, the sacrifice. So you, you, you repeat this over time, over years, since 2003, since I saw it. Mm-hmm. And so my brain just writes it off as neo knows you know like neo makes the ultimate sacrifice to save us all but really down to the nitty gritty detail actually reliving it bit by bit you're right you've proven my memory to be false because it is (laughs) and it's beautiful because that's how our brains work Mm -hmm. and so when you're like really into something your brain automatically like starts um this happens a lot in photography our brains write off extra information so we can focus on the thing that we need to do. Right. It's, it's like wired for us for survival already. Mm-hmm. But anyways, really cool that you nailed that. Yeah. That Neo did not like it. So prior to getting plugged in, he was like, all right, I'm going to, I'm going to whip this guy's ass and going to save Zion and going to, well, I don't, I don't know what's going to happen after that, but yeah, my I girlfriend's guess I'm going to have dead. to figure out how to get back to Zion. <laughs> oh man, I need some therapy. <laughs> hmm. Hope everyone I know still made it. Mm-hmm. So yeah, you're right. Neo didn't, uh, wasn't aware. But then, well, when you get your motherboard overclocked, a <laughs> little too much voltage. A little bit. Stuff gets burnt up and uh, D-E-D dead. D-E-D dead. Uh, let see. Everybody wins. Smith is defeated. Mm-hmm. Colonel Sanders has parting words with Oracle, <laughs> the architect. Mm-hmm. Zion is saved. Credits. <laughs> That's my notes. <laughs> from a kid in Scotland from Fiverr. Never seen this movie my whole life. <laughs> A little bit of fun fact here: mm. the um, the street corner where Neo and Smith start their fight, mm. or not start their fight, sorry, finish the fight. The crater where Smith yeah, has pummeled Neo. him into the ground. Yeah, that is the same corner from which Neo made his phone call at the end of the first movie. Mm. Um, Pitt, Hunter, and O'Connell Street in Australia. Mm-hmm. Ah, 
Should we just throw? Oh, I guess I'll just throw all my fun facts. That was actually one of my fun facts. Was it? Yeah. Oh. So <laughs> you suck. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you can see the phone booth to the right when they hit the ground. It's not like actually showcased or anything. But oh, it's but it's just like in the backdrop. Blink, blink and you miss it kind of thing. Yeah. That's cool. Mm-hmm. That ends the movie. Should we go in the next category? Yeah, let's do that. Category buttons. Mm-hmm. Sights and sounds. That category will never get old. I, I love your enthusiasm every time. Uh, right off the bat, just the, the sights, the visuals, uh, 10. This movie is so strong in that that it's a 10. Mm-hmm. So I, that's, I'm just going to keep it simple. There's I don't watch this movie. I mean, obviously, there's a few like sight gags like Neo keeping the suitcase and right. screwing over Sati. <laughs> but I mean. <laughs> Sorry. No, you're good. Um, yeah, it just looks good. I mean, I can't complain. Can you tell it's CGI? Yeah. But you know what? It's like a Marvel movie. I can tell it's CGI. I'm still having a great old time. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Not upset about it. <laughs> and uh, the visual effects, like we discussed before, Mifune's death. Yeah. gash in his All face. The practical effects and the makeup <clears throat> artists. Yeah. <clears throat> it still makes me cringe to this day. How mm-hmm. like, that looks painful. Don't want that to happen. It looks like real wounds. Yeah. Yeah. <clears throat> um, I will say the CGI either was more difficult to point out or it was used less in this mm. movie, or maybe it just got better. Yeah. Cause like you pointed out, there are still points where you can tell that it's CGI. There was really only one uh, rubber Neo <laughs> <laughs> moment and in the was, air, right? Um, not in the air. Actually, the rain did a really good job hiding mm. a lot of the obvious CGI things, which goes back to what you said before. When it's dark, dark scenes are easy to hide yeah. CGI when it's dark. And when there's other things going on, like the rain adds a layer that helps hide the flaws in yeah. CGI. Um, but no, it's, it's the, um, I think it's right before, Oh, it's down in the crater mm. when they're having their final showdown. Mm-hmm. Neo winds up and does a slow-mo punch across Smith's face. Oh, through the raindrops. Yeah. Mm hmm. And it's very obvious there because it's zoomed in on his fist and it's zoomed in in Smith's face and he's and it's lit by the thunder, right? Right. Yeah. Yeah. So that part was the only rubber rubber, rubber neo, yeah. Um, <laughs> where you know the CGI was really obvious, but aside from that, I couldn't actually point out oh. where all of the obvious CGI was. Okay. And obviously, the Sentinels are a CGI portion, but those are difficult to point out because they're not human, like they're meant to be dark and shiny silver machines, you know? Mm -hmm. So there are certain factors and features that are harder, harder to point out than others. Yeah. But I feel like overall the visuals were better in this movie than in the the first and second. Totally agree. I'm even okay with rubber Neo. That's like how well that it's like, it's, it's not, it doesn't detract at all. Mm -hmm. Oh, um, the, that you notice that it wasn't a visual, all CGI, Mm -hmm. like, or they use less. They did build like hard sets, like the ships, the interior of the ships. Yeah. They used one interior for all the ships. They just moved the cables and wiring around mm-hmm. so that it could feel like another ship. <laughs> they did that. And two, they built um, the big gate that has to open and close for the hammer to come through. Right. They built a one-tenth scale of that. Yeah. So the ship it. crashing through the gate, that's real. That's practical effects. Yeah. And the chain, like mm-hmm. the chain, like shattering and stuff like that's like the chain shattering is CGI, but like the actual, when you're looking at the set and the chains there. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, so it's all like one tenth scale stuff that they zoomed in on, kind of like they did in the original Star Wars movies. Yes, yeah, very, the, the very ship cool. battles. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. No, that that was very cool. I I liked that it was really obvious that that was done 
as well as it was. Yeah. What'd you think of sound? Sound was awesome. And I think I mentioned this in the, in the review for reloaded, Mm -hmm. the soundtrack gets better with each one. Mm. Um, the score has improved for each movie. Don Davis did a fantastic job and he paired tones with scenes very well. So like all of the music for the fight scenes is very dramatic, very epic, very loud, all of that. So I, I couldn't find really any major flaws with, with the, with the soundtrack. There were a couple of bits that didn't really fit. And the credits music was a little strange. Was it the one with the orchestral? Yeah. Actually, ironically that detracted for you, but it was one of my favorites. Was it? But I, I'm also a man who owns all the movie soundtracks for the matrix. (laughs) And when you hear it, it's like on its original score, it's really epic. And I like that it mixed with iconic matrix sounds, but then, I think every time you put an orchestral haunting voice, mm-hmm. it elevates anything you watch. And I only say this as a man who the biggest, strongest thing from Star Wars Episode One mm-hmm. was Duel of the Fates. Oh, every so time good. that plays, my heart like rate like skyrockets, my blood pressure. Well, I should, I should see a doctor about my blood pressure, actually. <laughs> <laughs> I was at the dentist recently and she said, Wow, your blood pressure is kind of high. And I'm like, oh shit. And I sat there quietly, like thinking that in the chair. And then she goes, are you sitting there worried about your blood pressure? And I was like, yes, I am. She goes, don't do that. It'll actually make it worse. And I was like, well, don't tell me. Like that. Yeah. Blood pressure can be a thing. That's like a sign of stress in the moment. Like if your blood pressure goes up because you're stressed, yeah. it's going to show up that way. And know? I hate going to the dentist. I'll tell the story another time, but I have a very massive fear of the dentist. Oh, um, but every time I hear Duel of the Fates and just the beginning, see, you're making my heart rate go up right now. And it's not even the song. The emotional engagement. That's like, that, there's just something about music. Very iconic. Yeah. Yeah. So for me, the Matrix score with introducing that mm-hmm. um, made me really excited because uh, episode one came out in like what, 99, 2000? 99. 99? Okay. Yeah. So in that period, I already got to experience Duel of Fates. So that, and again, the first Matrix had um, Club to Death, where it was the dum dum dum, the piano and everything and orchestral. Right. So that was already an iconic thing for me. So to hear orchestral performance with actual like opera type singers, mm-hmm. oh my goodness, very good. <laughs> but I, but I, like you said, that one actually didn't hit it for you. Yeah. it It's just because I was expecting there to be another like Rage Against the Machine track or something. Mm. And instead it was just um, more composed mu- music, which is fine. It was really good. Yeah. And I agree with everything you're saying. I just was like, that every, caught you every, off guard. Every, every movie so far has had a Rage Against the Machine song. Like, what, <laughs> Where, where is it now? <laughs> it, it does. It does kind where, of cut off a, a cyber punky stuff yeah. prior than now. Mm-hmm. But I think maybe it's just, the, it's the closing chapter, right? Yeah. So that part makes sense. This was supposed to be the last movie. Mm-hmm. The Wachowskis gave us Viva Vendetta later and they, people kept saying, Hey, make another matrix. And they're like, Nope, that's it. Chapter's closed. Right. Um, sound wise. I, I agree. I got nothing to say, but good stuff. Mm-hmm. And every single score, it like, the music was purposefully used in every scene, even the quiet scenes in Zion, um, everything still a 10 actually mm-hmm. very strong. <laughs> so, uh, perfect tens. I'm not a big fan of the matrix or anything, but perfect tens. <laughs> Weird. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So oh, then- we never uh, rated, uh, wait, what? I'm so stupid. We just discuss, we score later. Right. Which is right now. <laughs> Scoring. <laughs> <sighs> I will get this down one day. I'm sorry, Carter. It's okay. You're doing great. I just get really excited about the Matrix, okay? And then when we talk about blood pressure, 
if you want to get me sped up on any conversation, just do dum 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 dum, and I'm like, oh, oh God, I talk faster. <laughs> Oh man. That's okay. how you get me pumped up to commit a bank robbery. So did you say you have tens in every category? Tens in every ca- uh well tens in sights and sounds. Mm-hmm. Story is actually an eight. Okay. I'm actually with you there. Um story I was also going to give an eight. Oh. And matchy match? Mm-hmm. Visuals and sounds, I actually am giving a nine in each of those. Oh wow. Yeah. So Time for the math. <laughs> okay, so you ready for our totals? Let's hear it. I have 8.6 and you're at a 9.3. Oh, a 9.3, huh? Mm-hmm. Any additions or subtractions? Um, I'm just going to round mine down to 8.5. Okay. I, ju- I just like that half step. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it, it's just a weird thing, right? Mm-hmm. Thanks a lot, Jacqueline. <laughs> way, way to make us just score things all weird like. No, actually, I really like this new scoring system. Yeah, the arbitrary little additions and subtractions are kind of fun. I've consistently used Snape points every time. Uh, Snape <laughs> subtractions. I'm going to use it again on this one. All right. So I'm at 9.6. You're at 9.3. Oh, 9.3. Uh, what takes me down to 8, Carter? What takes you down to 8? Yeah, 9.3 to get to 8. What am I subtracting? 1.3. Please subtract 1.3 from my score. <laughs> You're in charge of the maths. <laughs> Don't look at me like I know what I'm doing. I was like, wait, you you want to, what? I want to take, oh, okay, down. I yeah, got you. I want to knock it down. So you're at 8.0 yeah. and I'm at 8.5. You're actually higher than me. Yeah. But only because of arbitrary. <laughs> Mr. Fanboy <laughs> over here. Uh, uh, no, be, I, I'm a Mr. Fanboy and you're right. Mm-hmm. And I think actually that justifies my fanboy scoring because it removes I want, ironically, as I added biasness for the first Matrix film, (laughs) I want to remove my biasness for this. This Mm -hmm. one was very epic and very good. But at the end of the day, not not that you have, you need to sit there and go, oh, it wasn't as good as the first one. Because I hate when people say that shit. Mm -hmm. It wasn't as good as the first one. It's not supposed to be the first movie. And and it shouldn't. Right. But this one, I kind of clued to it earlier. I said this one is not as smart or intellectual per se, but it's very action packed. Mm -hmm. If If you like booms and bangs and explosions... This is the one to really get the most of that. And we kind of alluded to that when we were talking earlier at the beginning. It really is the second half of the second movie. Mm -hmm. It's not really, it it feels less like a standalone movie and more of just a conclusion from the second movie of the series. Yeah. So yeah, it, it didn't do a lot of additional world building. It didn't do a lot of extra storytelling. It literally was resolving all of the conflict that was built and set up in episode two. Yeah, it's you're right. It's it's not its own uh, standy Audi. <laughs> Another technical term, standy Audi solo venture, right? You know, you know when you email someone and they email you back and then they email somebody else and then you mass reply mm-hmm. and every time you do it, then the email has the RE in the front, the right. f- reply, mm-hmm. and then it starts stacking. Mm-hmm. Matrix 2, Matrix Reloaded, should be just Matrix Reloaded. But then mm-hmm. Matrix Revolution should have been Matrix Reloaded RE. Like somebody <laughs> replied to the plot. <laughs> uh, yeah, that's what it, you're, you're, you nailed it. And mm-hmm. Yeah. So I just, it's not as smart as the other ones and it, it not necessarily has to be, but. Yeah, that's okay. It's still mm. an awesome movie and visually spectacular. Mm. Sounds were amazing. The story really did a good job concluding everything. It was really great all around. It just wasn't a 
Standy Audi? It wasn't Standy Audi. Yeah, <laughs> it, it had to go hand in hand with Reloaded. And especially with the first one too, setting everything up, you know? Yeah. So really it, it wasn't its own venture. It wouldn't have been strong as its own venture, but paired with the rest of the series, it helped conclude in a very good way. I will say when I was a child and I saw Revolutions, I was very upset that Neo died. Mm-hmm. Massively angry. I was massively angry at the end of Reloaded because I was really confused about what the hell was going on. Because, again, upside down Bane Smith does shit for me as a <laughs> attention span. And you don't give you don't get Bane Smith right. very much in that movie. So to have him cue the end. And then now this one, it's like, oh, man, I'm here for this epic fight. It's so cool. Mm. Neo gets overclocked and then burnt out. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> yeah, that's right. Like, just a capacitor just fails. <laughs> Gentle smoke. <laughs> to see Neo die, it was very upsetting, and I was like, "This is this is shit." It's sad. I did not walk away liking Revolutions for I think a couple years. I think you have to be a little bit more older and more mature to understand you all the it. themes. Yeah. Now as a well, it's definitely not a kids movie. <laughs> yeah. A lot of big stuff going on. <laughs> it's not just rated R for, you know, the visuals and effects and all that, but the themes that are, that are happening here are very mature. And you're right. Cause now I'm older and I look back and, and you know what? I think it's like, we live in this era of reboots uh, and, and rehashes and spinoffs. Nostalgia. And, yeah. Oh, oh yeah. That's a perfect word. Like we're just, we're, we're drip fed our nostalgia to the point where there's <laughs> nothing new. Mm-hmm. Something that really surprised me, Mortal Engines. It was based on a young adult book series, blah, 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 Hunger Games. But it was like it was something different. Mm-hmm. And it wasn't a reboot of anything. And was it a perfect movie? No. But gosh, somebody went off and said, let's go do. And Hugo Weaving was also in it. Very I cool. want to see that. I haven't actually seen it yet. We should do it sometime. I think it's a, it deserves something just for trying to be like, hey, let's go find a book series that no one has talked about in a while. Yeah. Or ever. And let's do that instead of rehashing more shit. So in this world of reboots and stuff, it was nice to see a movie end. And the Wachowski say, that's it. We're done. Mm-hmm. And it's my emotional feelings on The Simpsons is the same way. They should have killed it off like, <laughs> I don't know, eight years ago. <laughs> the Simpsons are still going. <clears throat> it's the longest, excuse me, the longest running animated TV show ever. And it's, it's, it's good. Like 35 seasons or something now. Yeah. <laughs> but at some point it's like shit guys like let's let like let's end it on a good note Mm -hmm. let's stop like just dragging it out (laughs) do not resuscitate you know what i mean yeah (laughs) uh want to hear a funny story yes my friend always his (laughs) (laughs) i was with my friend and uh, her grandfather was dying and she's you know she was like hey do you mind just being here this is many years ago dylan this is not sounding like it's going to be a funny story oh yeah but it it turns into one (laughs) okay all right i trust you (laughs) So I'm at the hospital and gra- grandpa's dying. He's on his last like legs, right? Mm-hmm. And he dies, but he did not have a do not resuscitate thing. So they resuscitate him and everybody, they, they brought him back to life and everyone was, oh, relief. Like, oh my God, grandpa's back. Like her mom was crying. Her her dad was crying. I mean, every, it was a very emotional moment and we were all very relieved that, you know, we could keep grandpa back. And I, 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 I didn't get into the room. I just was standing like outside like, whoo, man, because if my friend breaks down, I, I can't help her. Like, what do I know? I'm an idiot. Right. And so she's in there and I kind of hear all this go down and she comes back out and she's like, oh, they brought him back. Oh, my God. We almost lost him. And I was like, oh, shoot. That's really that's great. That's some heavy stuff. Mm-hmm. What do I do in this? I don't know. Uh, don't ever ask me to be at an important moment in your life. I, just, <laughs> I can't do anything about it. <laughs> um, 
he he kind of comes too, right? So he's he's resuscitated, but he's not like awake. He's still in a weird, like coma like moment. Sure. And then he he um they said okay he's waking up and this is like six hours later. So here I am like really got to take a leak at Sacred Heart, right? <laughs> so I'm I, she's like hey will you just come in and because he knows me too actually I'd like he's he's been a great educator in my life sure. for automotive based stuff. Okay. And we come in and he's kind of coming too and they're like Grandpa like are you are you okay? And he, he looks and they're like, do you, do you recognize us? Do you see us? The nurse is there. The doctor's there. And he looks around the room and he, he kind of like makes eye contact. And then he sees me and I'm like, you know, you know how stupid I look in real life, right? <laughs> like, <laughs> Hey man. <laughs> and instantly he goes from this kind of confusion to this rage. And I, I did not expect this at all. And instantly first words out of his mouth after like at being at the gates, right? He's like, you fuckers brought me back. <laughs> And I was like, oh, old person cursing. Super cool. <laughs> Everyone is just gobsmacked. And he's like, I was almost there. <laughs> uh, Grandma has passed away like four years ago. Sure. He's been in a nursing home. He's been actually in a very terrible state. Mm-hmm. And it was like that moment where I realized like morality hit me that it's like not all of us needs to keep being extended. Mm-hmm. He wanted to be out. <laughs> so he ended up living for another year and then he finally passed away mm-hmm. and uh, very, very sad, but touching thing. But it was just really that weird moment. It's like in your mind, you've always been conditioned like, oh man, you were, you were saved by the last minute of, uh, from eternal death. And now you can come back and, and live life. You know, like that, that po- poetic bullshit. That, mm. And he's just, he, he dispelled all of that. Oh no. With you <laughs> effers brought me back, exclamation point, question mark, exclamation point. I was almost out. Uh, so that is the Matrix. Uh, <laughs> how we feel, uh, how I feel about <laughs> resurrections. Aha. Uh-huh. <laughs> Shall we uh, jump to our competitor score? Yes, yes, You've got we should. IMDb. I do have IMDb. Was that an okay, story Carter? No, that was good. Was it pleasurable? Yeah. Okay. Um, <laughs> I I'll admit I didn't really see any connections there until the end. <laughs> but once once you hit the end of the story, I was like, okay, yeah, I see, I see how that fits. So, so yes, that that was good. I, I wanted to suspend you in this weird moment of like, <laughs> do I feel tragedy mm-hmm. or do I feel joy? <laughs> You're still like trying to deal with it all. You're like, I'm just too too much still emotion on it. <laughs> like homemade beef jerky. Mm. My stories are there to be chewed upon. <laughs> what is this shit? <laughs> have you ever had um fake jerky? I have. Was it good? No. Okay, good. Because well, good in the essence of I also had a negative experience with fake jerky. Beef jerky is where it's at. Oh, also. The like Korean barbecue jerky, like, oh from like Costco, pork, pork jerky. That's good stuff. Oh yeah, that's yeah. really good. Turkey jerky or any other fake jerky? No, I well, I like turkey jerky though. It, it's all right. It's just it's kind of like turkey bacon. It's just not bacon. You know what I mean? I I I, I enjoy turkey bacon, but I will I will digress. That real bacon outscores it. It's it's not a replacement for bacon. That's the thing that bothers me though. Is the people who say that it is. Bacon or just as good as bacon or better or better. Yeah. It's like, no, bacon is bacon. Turkey bacon is not bacon. You can have your turkey bacon. You can have your, you can enjoy your, your turkey bacon, but don't tell me that it's better than bacon because I'll fight you. (laughs) I back you 100%. And you know what my secret theory about is people who say turkey bacon is better than bacon, bacon of the original are people that did not want to leave the matrix. (laughs) 
they're fucking delusional <laughs> and they want to live in a world of lies. <laughs> Just comfortable in their lies. Yep. Just, I know it's not real, but it's delicious. <laughs> They're all ciphers. <laughs> I know this steak is just ones and zeros. I know when I put it in my mouth that it's not actually there, <laughs> but ignorance is bliss. <laughs> and I wish we had a button where it cu- it cuts to a commercial and it's tasty wheat. And it's like, uh, it's like a 1950s, like hype man, you know, like Ovaltine. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Or, or like a like a nineteen uh, like a nineteen oh five snake oil salesman that rolled his like wagon into a small like uh, western town. Mm-hmm. It's like, come on, come all, it'll <laughs> uh, cure dysentery and uh, what, what's they ha- they have like weird names for certain diseases back then. Did you say dysentery? Yeah. Do you mean dysentery? Uh, dysentery. That's right. <laughs> yeah. What I got out of Oregon Trail was bad pronunciation of things, <laughs> not an actual understanding <laughs> of. Oregon Trail. Dysentery. Karurad Wagon. Wow. English is my second language, you dick. Oregon. <laughs> that's that's <laughs> <laughs> for getting roasted that was one of your best roastings of me mm, thank you, thank you, <laughs> you that deserves an applause <laughs> <laughs> okay so back on back on track here imdb has mm. the matrix revolution scored at 6.8 out of 10 oh well that's still uh, lower than we are mm-hmm uh, Rotten Tomatoes is actually really close. Tomato meter puts it at 35%. <laughs> yeah, I know. <laughs> Oregon Trail. <laughs> but audience score brings it up to a 60%. Not bad. Not bad. So it's, uh, I mean, both the competitors are in relative, but right. we have a fonder outlook on it because our show is just naturally better, Stranded and Streaming. Obviously. <laughs> How do you pronounce Stranded and Streaming wrong then? Strandod? <laughs> Strained it. <laughs> I don't know. Strained it and stramming. <laughs> oh, man. Uh, that's our final category, isn't it? Yep. So, hope you enjoyed the show. Um, I had fun facts, Carter. Oh, yeah. Right. I'll, I'll, S- excuse me. Sorry. I'll go through them fast. Because okay. this is probably a, too long of an episode already. <laughs> a real derail from the train man, if you will. Oh. <clears throat> <laughs> that's right, baby. <laughs> <laughs> Jokes galore. <laughs> Uh, okay, what? These movies were shot back-to-back, Reloaded and Revolutions. Uh-huh. We already talked about that. The name of the movie wasn't decided until after the production was done. Oh. They had a quick name to kind of like hide it, and it was called Burly Man. I don't know if that has something to do with Burly Brawl, the fight scene, but hmm. Burly Man. Uh, okay. In order to reference what fighting in zero gravity would look like in the final fight, they actually shot scene um, test screenings in with stuntmen in um, anti-gravity airplanes where they go up in the sky and then they drop down real quick Oh, for a moment of uh, like zero G. Yeah. They didn't actually use any of that footage in the film, but they wanted to use it to, as a... Just a, know what it felt like. A case study, yeah. Mm-hmm. And to see how the body reacts in zero G in, in fight poses. Right. So they went through that whole thing just to learn how to make the fight scenes look uh, somewhat as realistic as possible huh gloria foster the actress who played the oracle in the first and second movie passed away while shooting cast yeah she was recasted uh she was replaced by actress mary alice and 
there was never going to be the Oracle was changing visual. Like that was not even in the script. Right. But because of the character change, they took the time to write it out to, to actually kind of like pay homage Mm -hmm. to the passing of one. And then the other one taking over. And I think if I remember right, it was something like a consequence from the Merovingian. Like he, yes, her giving the team the key maker. That's or or like how to get to the key maker. Mm-hmm. Because of that, the Merovingian uh, decided to take retribution mm-hmm. and destroy her physical form in a way, but she still existed as a copy. It kind of sounded like he tried to kill her, but she was able to transfer to another body. Yeah. In, in time. Yeah. Probably with Cookie Master Seraph. Mm, yes. I stand by that. <laughs> the fact that you think that that's wrong is just stupid. <laughs> I don't know why I do the show with you. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe I shouldn't just mumble my thoughts in the microphone, huh? <laughs> just angry guy. Uh, Captain Mifune's. His name is a nod to director, Japanese director, Toshiro Mifune. Oh. And if that slightly sounds familiar, Seven Samurais, Yojimbo, those classic samurai movies, black and white, mm-hmm. uh, that was Mifune's thing. And because the Wachowskis were big, you know, manga and Asian cinema influence, yeah. that's why Mifune's character was named that way. Okay. The design of the Machine City was inspired by coral reefs. That's why the the pods of humans and the cells, they all reach this tower. Oh, yeah. And the way they're staggered. Uh-huh. The machine robot where the swarms made the face, Deus Ex Machina, mm-hmm. or God Machine is what they, in their notes, were re- referred as. The Wachowskis had an infant nephew, and that's why that face looks not like a grown adult, but more like an, a child's face. Oh. Something I always was confused about. Yeah. Until I was looking into it now. But yeah, that those were modeled. They were recording um, the baby making different facial reactions. Huh. And then they applied to it into the movie. Weird. The close-up shots of the Agent Smiths looking on during the climatic fights are a mixture of 100 dummies and 50 extras wearing suits. <laughs> Specifically molded masks that all made to look like Hugo Weaving. Weird. Could you imagine being Hugo Weaving that day, walking on set, and everyone just looks like you? I would be insane. I, I would like have a moment of like, uh. whoa. <laughs> I would have a Neo moment. It's me. Me too. <laughs> God, you are a good Smith. Uh, let's see. <laughs> so we're you're kind of familiar with movies releasing in IMAX nowadays. Like everything has an IMAX variant. Right. This was actually one of the first movies because prior to revolutions, IMAX movies were like documentary or like Discovery yeah. Channel type level stuff. Mm-hmm. They never really touched in with IMAX was like just for giving the detail of the, the world. Right. Not really for cinematic experiences. This was one of the first movies that paired up with IMAX from the production time. Where they're like, we want to do this in IMAX. And they had to reach out to IMAX to figure out how this would be filmed and dis- presented. I wish you can watch this in IMAX nowadays. It's too bad you can't. Yeah. Um, let's see. Oh, when... <laughs> Sorry, that was a little poorly timed, but I was a little late. <laughs> when Neo is trapped in the... Oh, I said... <laughs> My goodness, it doesn't just stop on... Oh, there it goes. It eventually is. Sorry. <laughs> That's a long one. We don't know how this show runs. When Neo meets uh, Ramakandra, his wife Kamala, and Sati, mm-hmm. um, Kamahandra was a representation of the Hindu god Vishnu, and his wife Kamala was a representation of the uh, Hindu god Brahma. And Neo represents Shiva, the destroyer. Oh. So there was a, that's why it was like an all Indian cast at the moment to like work with that. That was a, that was a, like a symbolic thing. 
Interesting. And obviously Mobile Avenue the, in the back is limbo. when you, yep, you mm-hmm. mix the words around, it's limbo. At the closing scene of the Matrix Revolutions, the architect, <clears throat> Colonel Sanders, <laughs> and Oracle meet at a park bench. It's an interesting scene in that it's shot differently from previous rep- representations of the Matrix. The sky is blue, the grass is green, and it looks far more natural than it did any time previously. Right. This is from Screen Rant, by the way, so credit where it's due. <clears throat> the bench isn't just a place for the two programs to meet either. It's also a nod to Neo from the machines. There's a dedication plaque on the bench and it reads in memory of Thomas Anderson. Huh. So the machines acknowledge that Thomas Anderson, Neo, did helped help them the too. Matrix, yeah. yeah, and thus the truce. Hmm. And that's uh, all I have for revolutions. It's a it's a hot eight out of ten. Thank you for your fun facts. That was very nice. Oh, thank thank you for allowing me to do it, Carter. I am so sorry. I almost forgot that you wanted to do that. You just wanted to end the review <laughs> as fast as possible. So I can't get you in any more trouble. <laughs> There it is. <laughs> uh, on that ending note, uh, something that Carter always does that I'm very bad at. But hey, if you got commentary, ideas, thoughts, or you want us to review a movie, by all means, slide into our DMs. We can assure you that a response will be given and there will always be something entertaining happening. Definitely. If you want to be on the show and you have a movie, and I only say movie because we're not ready to go into series yet because that takes like twice the amount of work. Mm-hmm. But if you have a film you want to see and actually want to be a part of and be a guest, uh, let us know. We'll actually just Skype call you in. Mm-hmm. You can talk to us and you can help us review the movies. That'd be fun. Uh, it's your chance to be on the air with us. So that room is there. Yeah. When we can make that happen, that would be really cool and really fun. It's an interesting new part of the project that we want to try. Obviously, we can't guarantee that that will always be able to happen. But if you're interested, let us know. And on that note, everything that has a beginning also has an end. And that's the end of this one. (laughs) (laughs) Bye-bye. Toodles. If you made it this far and you like the show, please hit subscribe on whatever podcast listening platform you use. We're available on all major platforms such as Spotify, Apple and Google Podcasts, Stitcher, TuneIn Radio, and more. To stay up to date and keep in touch, check out our Instagram at Stranded and Streaming. We'll post regular updates there for our followers. Feel free to send us a DM if you have any comments, questions, or requests for future reviews. But most importantly, thanks thanks for for listening. listening.